The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the available lines ahead of the college basketball tournament on the DraftKings Sportsbook app. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. 21 plus, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsibility responsible gaming resources. What is good, everybody? Welcome to the Off Day Debrief, part of the SB Nation NFL show. I am Rob Stats Guerrero. He is Brandon Lee Gowden. What's up, BLG? Stats doing great. I'm coming off a Eagles bye week, so I'm well rested and uh, couldn't be more happy to be here with you. Well, that is good. Before we get rolling here with a very special guest, we want to remind you that the SB Nation NFL show is brought to you by DraftKings. DraftKings Sportsbook is an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app today and use code SBNNFL for a special offer when you sign up. That is code SBNNFL only at DraftKings. The offer is so special, we don't even tell you what it is. So you have to go and check that out. And I mentioned our special guest today. We are very happy and privileged to be joined by Shield Kapadia of The Athletic. Shield, thanks for a few minutes this morning. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Good to be with you guys. So we are going to break down some of the teams on the bubble in the playoff picture. But before we do that, we have to get to an incredible Monday night football game last night. Rams, Cardinals, Rams ultimately end up getting a 30 to 23 victory. They were down multiple starters in this game. I have to say, Sheila, I was very impressed with the fact that the Rams were able to win this game because I was all set to come on here and talk about how they don't really have any good wins this season and they've kind of beat up on some bad teams and yet they get the win. Yeah, that had been the case. I mean, they had been in a rut here for the last, what, four or five weeks. They beat the Jaguars last week. I don't think that convinced anybody that they were back. So this was a big game for them. There's no doubt about it. Their offense has kind of uh, had different versions to it all season long. And I think you saw on Monday night that, like, the ceiling is still high. You know, if Matthew Stafford is going to play like that, if he's going to be healthy, he was making high degree of difficulty throws. They found a way to get Odell Beckham Jr. involved. And then, of course, Cooper Cup was fantastic. So, uh, you know, consistency has been, I think, an issue for them. You know, there have been weeks where you look at them and say, all right, this, you know, just what you said, they've beaten up on some bad teams, but they're not among the elite in the NFC. But that's a really good Cardinals team, and they go on the road, and uh, that offense looked looked really good. And the defense, you know, without Jalen Ramsey to play like that also, they they deserve credit as well. So, yeah, 9-4, and four, uh, they're in a good spot here to make some noise down the stretch. So flipping it to the Cardinals side, I mean, how much of this loss, I mean, how much of this game, I guess, is about, you know, like the Rams winning it and coming up in a big spot versus like, you know, the Cardinals losing it and Kyler Murray obviously not playing his best football uh, in a big spot. I guess, like, what's your level of concern maybe with Arizona after this loss, if any? Yeah, I wouldn't panic with Arizona. I was thinking about it and it did feel like it feel that way watching it. You know, you're like, oh, this, you know, this doesn't look like a, a great uh, Cardinals team. But then, you know, if you sit back and think about it, you have a red zone interception there with Kyler Murray. That's a high leverage turnover. You have the drop by DeAndre Hopkins. What was that? At like the 10 yard line. So you're about to go in and score right there. So those are things that like, you know, on a week to week basis, are those going to be things that happen to the Cardinals? Probably not. So it was kind of a, a case where I think they had some bad luck now there were some issues you know if you want to point to them I, I thought their pass protection concerned me a little bit that could have just been the Aaron Donald factor but certainly I thought Murray uh, was under pressure there uh, defensively they just couldn't get a stop and their defense has been really good all season long so I, I think you have to look at that was that a bad game or cause for concern going forward and then there has been a you know a little bit of a history with their offense not being as good in the second half of the season or down the stretch now last season I think it was because Kyle Kyler Murray was injured, but he did have an injury this season as well. So 
there are things like I would kind of keep an eye on, but I wouldn't expect them to crater down the stretch. I, I think they're still going to be in good shape. I, I think maybe they lost the number one seed last night. That's fair, but I still think they're going to be a team that probably hosts a playoff game in the first round. The one thing I saw that just made me pause, and maybe I'm making too much of this. You guys can tell me. Third quarter, it's third and four at the Rams' 16-yard line. And Cliff Kingsbury calls a run to James Conner, I think, because he knows that he's going to go for it on fourth down. But after the third down play, he doesn't have a fourth down play call ready, and they have to burn a timeout before yeah. going for it on fourth down. I still have questions situationally about Cliff Kingsbury, BLG. Is that my bias going? Because you know how I felt about him coming into the season. Well, yeah, I wanted to ask Shield about this because I like st- to set up the context for you, Shield, like stats – and really even me, I'm not the biggest Cliff Kingsbury guy. I think stats is even more not so. Of course, he's a 49ers <laughs> fan, so maybe there's some uh, little you know, little bias in there too. But I, I guess, yeah, where do you stand on Cliff, Seal? Yeah, I think it's I think it's uh, a fair criticism. You know, I, I think the game management. There were certainly you know there have been instances really throughout the last two years. It, it's been weird because there have been games where I, I look at it and I go, okay, he, he's got this. He figured some things out. He's learning on the fly. I like what he's doing here. He's being aggressive. But you're absolutely right. I mean, you should know in that situation and specifically if you're running on third down, I'm with you. That tells me that that's actually a good thing because it's like, okay, you've already thought about this. You know, you're going to go for it on fourth down. You're saying let's run it here maybe we get it if, if we don't it's not the end of the world but you should be ready with that fourth down call and not have to burn a timeout and of course as Brian Creasy was very upset with you know you can make the case that they should have kicked the field goal uh, <laughs> earlier there uh at the end and then come back on the onside kick and uh it scored the touchdown as I joked uh you know thoughts to the Greasy's Uber driver, because, man, he was fired up. I think he might not have slept last night and is still uh, talking about that this morning. So there are those types of things that creep up. And even with the Cardinals, you know, offense, you can look at it and say how much of this is really brilliant scheming and how much is it of it is Kyler Murray, DeAndre Hopkins, go make a play. Now, when they go two and one with Colt McCoy, I think you do have to give Cliff Kingsbury credit there and say this is a backup quarterback. I thought they managed the Murray injury uh, in a smart way by not forcing him back out there, and they still won game. So uh, I think he's done a good job overall. At the same time, if you tell me that in like six weeks from now we're talking about him totally botching, uh, you know, a fourth quarter, quarter situation and it costing the Cardinals a win, I would not say that that's going to surprise me either. Well, I listen to you obviously a ton on Birds with Friends, and I feel like one thing I know about you is that you love like a trope, uh, or maybe like ironically love, but you know, like like oh the pads go on, you know, you, you let, you're a real football <laughs> guy, uh, or at least you make fun of those guys. Um, so, in that vein, I have a question written down here for you: Who is the team that no one wants to play? You hear that? Of course, around that, mm, that's that. like the, yeah, this year it's the big thing, right? The broadcasters like, oh, if, if this team gets in the playoffs, they're the team, or maybe they're already in the playoff picture. The team that no one wants to play. So, from each conference, do you have a team that no one wants to play? It's a good one. I love the team that no one wants to play. I wrote a column today. I was thinking about doing a little team that no one wants to play, but I think I'll give it another week uh, for it. You know, in the AFC, I'm going to go with the, how about the Los Angeles Chargers? You know, and mm, I know yes. I've, I've, I've been on them uh, since the preseason. I've been a, a huge Justin Herbert fan, really, since like his first start. I was like, wait a minute. this Is this the same guy I watched at o- o- Oregon? This, this is one of the most talented quarterbacks in the NFL. And he's, you know, he been, you know, as good or if not better this year. So right now they're a five seed. I mean, if you're a four, and maybe they'll slip down to six or seven. If you're a team that's, played well all season and you're hosting a first round game. Do you want to see that guy in the first round? I mean, they have holes. They have a flawed roster. I'm not saying they're great and that they're going to win the Super Bowl, but man, that would frighten me if I were a coach or a defensive coordinator and I'm going in a one game playoff, we all of a sudden have to contain, you know, a top three, a top five quarterback in the NFL who can make plays even when we do everything correctly on defense. So I think the chargers are a good one in the AFC. The Chargers are number 11 in Brandon Lee Gowden's week 15. I can't believe we're on week 15 power rankings, by the way. The only, I don't know if you're aware of this, Shield, the only 100% accurate power rankings in the entire NFL <laughs> podcast kingdom. So, you know. I have heard that, yeah. Absolutely. Check those out. I decided I'm, to come on, yeah. That's right. I'm bleedinggreennation.com. I think that you can make the argument that if Justin Herbert is playing at his best, 
that he's as good as any other quarterback in the NFL. Mahomes, Dak, Rodgers, whoever you want to throw in there. Is that crazy? No, I, I was actually thinking it about it in a different context. If there were a draft of every NFL player right now, they said, all right, no one has a team, and you know we're just going to randomly pick uh, the draft order. Is Herbert the number one pick? Is it? I mean, probably Mahomes. I think it's probably Mahomes. But uh, I don't. You know, if you said Herbert was two, if you said someone took Herbert over Mahomes, uh, you know, I, I don't think that would be the craziest thing in the world. So that's you know as high as I am on him. There's there's nothing he can't do. I mean, whether arm, legs, smarts, he's not. He doesn't seem like a me guy. Like he seems to kind of like to sink in the background a little bit. And, and I think teammates will appreciate that about him when he had that throw on Sunday and he got kind of fired up. You looked at it and said, oh, you know, that's kind of unusual. But yeah, all right, he made maybe like one of the best five play throws of the season, <laughs> probably. So I understand why he's excited. So yeah, I'm, I'm kind of all in on him. You know, I can already see my Super Bowl pick for next year. Like if we're looking into August, I'm going to be like, oh, and all right, Chargers making the leap. But uh, even this season, like, you know, that they could definitely get hot down the stretch and be that team. Herbert's so ridiculous. I mean, that throw, that throw on Sunday was crazy. <laughs> he had a crazy throw against the Eagles uh, to Mike Williams earlier in the season. It's just like you watch that and you're just like, oh, my God, like, how's he doing this? This is insane. Yeah. Uh, he's <laughs> yeah. great. Love him. Um, Steele, who is being underrated in the MVP discussion? Maybe it's Justin Herbert since we're talking about him a ton. Uh, you know, because everyone, I think, is kind of coming on to like, okay, it's probably Tom Brady. Um, although it kind of feels like a weird year because it doesn't feel like there's that, you know, slam dunk necessarily obvious guy other than maybe Brady. Um, who, who's the underrated person in this MVP discussion? You know what? I just realized that I'd give you my NFC team. I'm a completist. I don't want to be the guy who doesn't yeah. answer the questions. I respect that. So I'll throw that out really quickly. Uh, you know, I'm looking at it. I, th I think maybe the 49ers, you know, yeah. if you look at because they're getting <laughs> healthy. <laughs> and this if is you pandering. Look at, yeah. If you look at their their splits, their stats when they've had. Garoppolo, Debo, and George Kittle on the field together. I mean, they're a top five offense. And so are those guys all going to stay healthy? I don't know, but you watch like these games with the 49ers and they certainly could have lost last week against Cincinnati, but it's just like, you're looking at it from a defensive perspective and man, they have guys you have to account for who can score on any given play. I mean, Kittle has been absolutely ridiculous the last couple weeks. I mean, unguardable clutch plays, like jaw-dropping plays where you you have the red zone or whatever on and you're going like, oh my gosh, that's kind of got me out of my seat. Debo Samuel's been doing it all year. Now Brandon Ayuk is doing it with the game winner. So uh, I think that that could potentially be a tricky team in the uh in the nfc all right in you know the mvp uh, i wrote about this a little bit today and and this isn't like a sleeper but why is aaron Rodgers not like on the same level as uh as tom brady in the mvp mix i mean the odds uh are, are totally out of whack here you know to give your your DraftKings sportsbook uh, a plug here i think it's uh i think it's minus 150 for brady to win mvp and plus 550 for Aaron Rodgers to win MVP in, in my column that people can read on the athletic, I kind of did a breakdown here and it's, you know, if you're looking at like stats that matter, the, the efficiency stats, like it's, it's neck and neck between these two guys and uh, Rodgers missed a game. And I'm sure, you know, he, he'll get, he should get dinged for that because Brady has a higher volume and Rodgers missed a game, but like that could change in the final four weeks where it takes one bad game really from either one of these guys for the other one uh, to pull away. And just watching Rodgers like last three games, it's weird because he's got the toe injury, but like that's as good as any stretch uh, of quarterback play I've seen all season. Like he's making the wow plays, the elite plays. He had the game where they're going with a third string left tackle. And he's like, okay, I'm just going to sit in the pocket and get rid of the football and dice you, um, you know, down the field any way I want to. Then he's pushing the ball downfield. He's making high degree of difficulty throws. So uh, I just look at that and that seems a little bit out of whack to me. You know, Brady plays the Saints next week. They've given him some trouble in the past. If that ends up being a two or three interception game for him, if the Rod if the Packers are the number one seed in the NFC, then uh, I think Rodgers is a guy who certainly could kind of sneak in there and win the MVP, even though he missed a game. A big part of that is the narrative. You know, that's a massive part of all these awards. I feel like Rodgers might have the edge in narrative because there was the whole, you know, does he really want to be there? Is he going to get traded the day of the draft? We thought maybe Aaron Rodgers was going to get traded. And then he comes in, he's telling Gutekunst who to trade for. They bring in Randall Cobb because GM Aaron Rodgers says so. 
I kind of almost wonder if like he has that, that's going to be like a benefit to him in this MVP discussion. Cause people are going to say like, Oh, you know, there was all this controversy and he got past it and he's guiding them to the, you know, whatever seed they're going to end up with. Whereas Brady, it's like, yeah, he's in Tampa. He won the Super Bowl last year. Like we kind of know that there's, you know, he's really good still. So I don't know. I think I might give the edge to Rogers there. Like you said. Yeah, I, I think, uh, and of course, you know, Rogers with the with COVID and the the you know dishonesty or what I don't even know how you want to term it with the vaccination, but he did become kind of a villain, and then the way he handled that. So I don't know, like you said, you know, the media is fickle. I don't vote on MVP, so I can still you know rip the media here. But yeah, it could go <laughs> either way. It could be, hey, he got through all, you know, all right, he was in kind of a bad spot there. He didn't handle that well, but man, look how he's played coming back. Or it could be no way. Look how he handled that he's not uh the mvp tom brady's been there for every game so i think it could go um in either direction there well Sheila, i just want to personally thank you for picking my 49ers as the team that nobody <laughs> wants to play in the nfc i've been trying to tell blg all year and all year he's been poo-pooing you're a poo-pooer <laughs> blg you don't even like jimmy garoppolo you're, you're going no. into a playoffs with a quarterback who like you, you think shouldn't be starting uh Kyle Shanahan doesn't like Jimmy Garoppolo. I'm not alone. <laughs> I mean, Sheil, you see it. Sometimes yeah. you could see Kyle pucker up and just kind of get nervous. Last week, uh, yeah, the I would say the last two weeks, you've you've seen it. Even when they're uh, winning games, whether he's taking a safety, whether he's throwing an interception. Oh. I mean, it's so funny how like one player totally flips the narrative. In that game, if Jesse Bates comes down with that interception against mm-hmm. Garoppolo in overtime, yep. uh, we're having a totally different. It's not it's not the 49ers are the team that no one wants to play. It's should they bench Jimmy Garoppolo <laughs> for Trey Lance? So some of this stuff is definitely you know changes so much from. Uh, play to play, but uh, I do really love the supporting cast there. I mean, my take on Jimmy G is uh, obviously he's not a top five quarterback, but are they a top five offense? when they're healthy with him at quarterback, the numbers say yes. And this is coming into the season. You know, the research I was doing just with Garoppolo over the last three years and the splits with him or without him, like most of the time they operate at a pretty functional level uh, when he's healthy and he's on the field for them. And they've just, they've just got a lot of blue chip players on both sides of the ball. We mentioned the offense and then defensively with Warner, with Bosa, with Armstead, you know, it's sort of a matter of one of those teams that if they're healthy, they're scary, but they are probably a little bit tired heavy where if one or two of those guys goes down um all of a sudden the whole thing kind of could could come down and crash okay so one one quick one before we uh send you out the door here um water gun to your head as you like to say in bridge with friends do the eagles make the playoffs uh i would say no Water, oh, gun, wow. uh, water gun to my head. I mean, I, I think it's close, you know, because it, to, I'm saying no. So that gives me the field, you know, that gives me yeah. the Vikings and Washington and maybe one of those other uh, really crappy teams that maybe could, could sneak up in this weird season. So I, I, I think it's close. I, I don't know. I feel like a lot of the stats model statistical models have them at what around like 40 percent. It feels like depending on which one you look at. And so that looks right to me. I think most likely they would lose one of the Washington games and they would lose to Dallas in week 18. But like, I don't feel that strongly about it. You know, if you told me they swept Washington, if you told me they beat Dallas in week 18, that wouldn't, you know, really surprise me. Dallas's offense has certainly not looked the same. So uh, I think they've got a shot. I I think they'll probably keep fan interest in it uh, to the end, which is, uh, which is all you can ask for. Are they better off? Making the playoffs with Jalen Hurts and maybe going into next season like with this weird kind of quarterback situation? Or is it better that they just miss the playoffs and then you can say, look, he's good, but he's not good enough and we got to go make a move? I, I mean, my theory on fandom is that it's more about being entertained and sort of the experience and not hating the team you watch than ultimately just, hey, we have it's championship or bust. I mean, that that's kind of always how I felt. So I would always lean towards make the playoffs. I mean, you get a day, you you know, you Monday, you think your team has no shot. Friday, you're convinced they're going to the Super Bowl. Saturday <laughs> or Sunday rolls around. You might have a fun three hours. If not, you find some villains on the team where you get to rip the coach afterwards or whatever so that to me is what it's all about so uh, I hear what you're saying I think it would be a mistake to read too much into like one game whether it's nine and eight or eight and nine and do you make the playoffs and make your offseason decisions based on that uh, so I, I, I hear you there I think that would be a mistake but ultimately I would say it's more fun to make the playoffs than not make the playoffs 
Shio Kapadia from The Athletic, we thank you very much for the time today, sir. We appreciate it. All right. Thanks for having me, guys. So you heard it, BLG. The 49ers are winning the Super Bowl. That's what I heard, she'll say. <laughs> you wish. You really I mean, wish. I, I thought you, it was You don't obvious. even believe in them. Tell me that you believe in them, like, making a run to the Super Bowl. You don't. You just don't. Do I, I, know you I don't. believe it's possible. Do I think it's oh likely? No, it's not likely. Well, but, I mean, uh, it's possible. Right. But so you have the 49ers right now at number 12 in your power rankings, mm-hmm. up from number 16. So you gave them a little bit of a boost there. Thanks. Yeah, you know, kind of the flow of things had to drop some teams like, uh, you know, I think what the Steelers were in there had to drop, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the Bengals, obviously, who the Niners just beat. So Washington football team. Uh, yeah, drop them, too. So, yeah, kind of just how it worked out. But, yeah, I mean, sure, that, that was a really big game. Stats, really big win yes. for the Niners in Cincy. A little controversial with that taunting call playing a big role. Um, I don't think Cincy deserved to win that game. I think the 49ers kind of deserved to win it, to be clear. Um, but. You know, easily could have flipped. That would have been a big deal, uh, especially me falling from the Eagles perspective. And man, does that loss for the Eagles to the 49ers in week two, where Eagles had freaking first and goal at the one yard line and couldn't punch <laughs> it in and then lost by what, six points in the end, 17 to 11? Like, yeah. that would have been a big game because now, you know, you're looking at this, this uh, NFC wildcard uh, playoff picture. And, you know, the Eagles are trying to make this push, but the 49ers have that head-to-head over them, and that's pretty valuable for them. And I think the 49ers are in a good spot right now for that number six seed. Yeah, they really are in a good spot. I mean, basically what I tweeted yesterday was they have home games left against the Falcons and Texans. They beat those two teams, they're making the playoffs. I think, you know, especially given the tiebreakers. (laughs) I mean, come on, like you, if I told you at the beginning of the year, you'd have to beat the Falcons and Texans at home to make the playoffs, like, you would say, yes, I would take that immediately. If you can't do that, you don't deserve to make the playoffs. The Falcons stats, I have, what do they have, like six wins now? They're like, the yeah. I, I swear they're one of the worst six win teams <laughs> in NFL. Like, they're literally dead last in DVOA, and they're like fifth to last or something in point differential. They like they stink. They're terrible. So, if the yeah, the 49ers lose to them, yeah, you, you don't deserve to make the playoffs. And the Texans are obviously, I mean, they're just basically like tanking right now. And uh, even if they weren't, they're just, they're, they're listless. They're terrible. Um, so, yeah. And then what else? Who else do they get? They get the, uh, the Rams still, who they already beat. The Rams and we. 18 and then they have the titans on thursday night on december 23rd that's a tough one yeah yeah that's gonna be that's gonna be just a brutal physical game um but the 49ers festivus miracle maybe that's true it's a festivus game is that a company holiday i'm not sure um (laughs) well i was that's why the game last night rams cardinals was big because if the rams lost the 49ers might have had a chance to get to the five seed especially with another game against the rams now that's probably not going to happen uh, let's go to another team in the NFC since we're kind of looking at the bubble picture here, and that's Washington. I, Man, every time I start to think that maybe they got a little something going, I feel like they let me down. They're number 18 in your power rankings this week, which, by the way, I should have mentioned are up on bleedinggreennation.com. You should go check those out to see the entire list. Are you buying Washington right now as the seventh seed in the NFC? I'm not, and it's like I think they did some good things in that four-game winning streak. I don't want to totally discredit that. Um, their defense has been playing legitimately better, even into the Cowboys game. There was like the Cowboys only scored 20 points on Washington. You know, there was the uh, fumble return for a touchdown in that game, so uh, they're allowing just 17.5 points per game in the winning streak stretch, and then again they only allowed 20 to the Cowboys. Um, so the defense is like pretty solid right now. Um, the offense has had some issues, meaning more so in the Cowboys game, although. Taylor Heineke was had he had a 110 pass rating in those four wins. Now I think he kind of played worse than those numbers suggest because I think there was some turnover-worthy plays in there that he was kind of getting away with, and he even got away with some of those in the Cowboys game, although not entirely because he had a couple of turnovers in that Dallas game. So uh, I think Washington's in a bad spot right now. You have Jonathan Allen going on the COVID list. Uh, Montez Sweat is already on there and might miss the Eagles game. And that's Washington's two top sack leaders right there. So they might be both missing. Uh, Charles Leno, the starting left tackle, got banged up in the Dallas game. They lost their starting center to an Achilles injuries. Tyler Larson in the Dallas game. Like Washington's getting Terry McLaurin went out with a concussion. Like these are like big injuries. Um, Obviously, they lost Logan Thomas again after he came back. So uh, I just don't think Washington's trending in a good way right now with all those injuries and, and COVID issues and everything. If there is a team that catches them, who do you think? Do you think it's Philly? Do you think it's Minnesota? 
Um, I mean, the Eagles have, you know, we've all talked about it at length, like this really easy schedule in theory, mm-hmm. in terms of they get Washington twice in the next uh, three weeks here. They, they get the Giants. They're going to beat the Giants. These are not going to be swept by the Giants, especially with <laughs> potentially Mike Lennon starting. Giants. Just, speaking of a team that looks listless, I mean, they're just hopeless right now. So, uh, you know, Minnesota's in there. They get Green Bay and the Rams still, which kind of makes me, you know, wonder uh, if yeah. they might slip up because those are good teams. And Kirk Cousins usually doesn't deliver against the good teams. But they also get the Bears twice. So, you know, those could be two winnable games there. And maybe you steal one of those uh, Packers or uh, Rams games. So I think, you know, Minnesota is ahead of the Eagles right now in that eight spot. And they would have the tiebreaker, I believe, in terms of uh uh, strength of victory, uh, if it comes to that, which I think it might. So, um, I think Minnesota stands a good chance. Your boy Kirk, just because uh, I can't assume the Eagles are just going to take care of business because I thought they were going to do that against the Giants when they played them. Right. I have been feeling like the Eagles are going to split against Washington, although I've kind of softened on that just because, again, like Washington, they've had all these injuries. I think they're kind of worse. Like the, the, this week, week 14 was like big in terms of changing the trajectory on Washington. Like I was like, OK, they're kind of figuring it out. I thought, you know, maybe they're going to be able to beat Dallas or at least like play them competitively. And they really didn't. You know, that game was a blowout until, you know, they kind of came back at the end. But, you know, there was a gift pick six from Dak in there. And uh, the game was really it was never really competitive. Like I know like Washington had a chance to potentially tie the game or whatever, like late in the game because they got the ball with like two minutes left or whatever down seven. But like the reality is they were like never in that game truly. Um, So uh, I think Washington's going to fall out. And I think it comes down to at that point, it's it's either the Vikings or the Eagles. It's going to be really close. I think that Mike Zimmer's job depends on the Vikings making the playoffs. If they don't get in, I don't think he has any shot to be back in Minnesota next year. Yeah, I agree with that. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, we'll look at some of the AFC playoff teams on the bubble, and we'll give our MVP and LVP points of the week. Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Life moves pretty fast. Are you drinking water that can keep up? Smartwater Alkaline has everything you need to stay hydrated, no matter where your day takes you. Whether you're pitching a tent or your next big idea, Smartwater Alkaline can help you perform your best. It delivers a pure, crisp taste that makes it the perfect chaser after a big workout. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smart Water Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. Back here on the Off Day Debrief, part of the SB Nation NFL show, brought to you by DraftKings. All right, BLG, we looked at the NFC. Now let's look at the AFC teams on the bubble. Right now, the Chargers are the five seed at eight and five. Then it's the Colts at seven and six, the Bills at seven and six. And they are the final playoff spot. And then it's Cleveland at seven and six, Cincinnati and Denver also at seven and six. Uh, we talked about the Chargers a little bit with Shield. Let's get to the Colts a little bit. Your favorite team to talk about. They have your favorite quarterback in the NFL. I can't bring myself to pick them. I just, I don't to know why. I, yeah. Hmm. I don't know why I don't have faith in them. I guess it's just Carson Wentz. Like when you have a quarterback that so willingly puts the ball in harm's way, that just destroys anything else good that you do. I don't, Jonathan Taylor's awesome, but guess what? He can't do anything if Carson Wentz is giving the ball to the other team. It was a really big bye week for the Colts because the Bengals and the Bills were in those last two wild card spots and they both lost. So, and they both, not only did they both lose, but they also staved off uh, or, or they, you know, failed to complete comeback. So it looked dicey, uh, but Colts fans were happy to see those teams lose because now the Colts bump up to the sixth seed without even playing a game. So nice for them. Not so good for the Eagles who own the Colts first round pick in the 22, uh, 2022 NFL draft. Um Looking at the Colts' remaining schedule here, stats, it is 13th toughest. So they still have to play the Cardinals and the Patriots. Pretty tough games, including the Patriots game this Saturday. So we'll see how that goes. That is the game, by the way, that Carson Wentz will likely cross that 75% threshold. Although that doesn't necessarily matter if he only plays 70 and the Colts are in the playoffs, which they're currently, the Eagles still get that pick. So that's just a little uh, fun fact to parse through there, but they also get the Jags and the Raiders. And I feel like they're going to be able to win uh, definitely the Jags who we'll get to later in the show, a little tease uh, and probably the Raiders who've been inconsistent here. Um, So I think two more wins probably does it for them because, you know, they have that tiebreaker over the bills. Um, 
yeah, I think they're. I think the Colts are going to actually make it. Now, what they do in the playoffs, I don't think they're necessarily going very far. But I think Jonathan Taylor gives them enough to at least beat these bad teams. And I think if they get to nine wins, and maybe they steal one of those Cardinals or Patriots games, I don't think. I don't think it's impossible. I think the the Patriots game is in Indy. Like I think the I think the Colts might be able to upset them. That would be. That would be a bad loss if you're New England. You know, you're the one seed right now. Like, you got to handle your business against friggin' Carson Wentz. Uh, but we'll see. <laughs> Buffalo. You know, yeah. I'm watching the 49ers game, and they, they did one of those updates where they go to Buffalo, and it was, you know, the Bills looking like crap, and Adam Archuleta's doing the Niners game, and he's like, what happened to Buffalo? And then all of a sudden, they come storming back in that game against Tampa Bay and almost end up winning the thing. But they did lose. They are now seven and six. And where is your faith in the Buffalo Bills right now? I feel like I'd be conflicted if I was a Bills fan about that comeback because, like, sometimes I feel like you just want to see your team lose. Like, once, now obviously, you don't want to see them lose ever. But, like, once they're already down and you know they're going to lose, you want to see them just like have a bad loss. So, like, you can kind of, they have to wear that and kind of reevaluate themselves and look in the mirror as opposed to, like, they come back, but then they don't complete it because then they're kind of like, oh, everything's actually fine. And, but it's like, you didn't complete the comeback, though. So I'm not getting the satisfaction of the win. <laughs> and now you're being like, well, we almost won. So uh, I wonder how Bill Sands feel about that. I would say there's some encouraging signs, you know, though, that they can take away from kind of Josh Allen being tough and getting them back into that game. Although I wonder, you know, where he's at injury wise moving forward. But I will say here again, looking at the Bills final four stats, some pretty winnable games. They get the Jets, the Panthers and the Falcons. Those are three of their last four. And then they get the Whoa. Patriots again. Um, so we'll see how that one goes. I'm going to guess that. I mean, I, I would assume the Bills stand more of a chance in that game because they're probably going to be able to throw the ball a little bit more effectively, <laughs> maybe, and not have to worry about, you know, running. Uh, I don't think Bill Belichick's going to run it 40-whatever times again. So uh, just based on the ease of schedule, which the Bills actually have, like, the the uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, nine, eighth or ninth easiest schedule here, um, they're not dead yet. But I don't feel good about them. You know, like, once they make the playoffs – like if they just rattle off a couple, you know, wins against these really bad teams, that doesn't make them all of a sudden the aforementioned uh, team nobody wants to play. I, I don't like. I'm not buying the Bills in the playoffs. Yeah, I'm not either. And the biggest reason for me is you can f out physical them. You can just get up front and smash them in the face. We've seen it the past few weeks with Buffalo. When you get into the playoffs, teams love to lean on the ground game, and I don't know that that's all of a sudden going to magically get better. And so, yeah, I think that they're good enough to make it, but I don't know that they're good enough to make a run, uh, which let's be honest, if you were a Bills fan, that was the expectation coming into the season. It wasn't just make the playoffs. Yes, absolutely. I think the goalposts have kind of been moved in a lame way by like, the bills themselves even at times were like, again, we've talked about this before, where it's kind of like, you should just be happy making the playoffs. Well, it's like, I get that, but you were supposed to be a Super Bowl contender. You're supposed right. to be like, you know, going back to the AFC championship game. And now you might not even make the playoffs. I think they will. Again, you look at that schedule, unless they totally collapse, which would be like a disaster. Um, that would not only be like disappointing, that would be a massive failure uh, at this point. Um, I want to talk about the AFC North a little bit, though, stats, because, hey, it's kind of wide open, right? I mean, absolutely. Ra Ravens are up top at eight and five right now, but they're only in the four seed and Lamar is hurt. And the Browns just, you know, pulled off a big win over them. The Browns are just on the outside looking into the playoffs right now at seven and six. They are at the eight spot. The Bengals lost. But, you know, if they won, they would have been first in the AFC North. And then the Steelers are, you know, probably not making the playoffs necessarily at six, six and one. But they're, you know, they're hanging on. They're not totally dead in the water. They're, they're not like a free win. And, you know, some of these teams are going to have to play the Steelers still. Um, like, who are you betting on to win this division? I don't know who I'm betting on, but I know who I'm not betting on. And that's the Cleveland Browns. You love to talk about big loser energy. And that's what I see with the Cleveland Browns right now. Baker Mayfield's talking about, oh, you know, they have a lot of internal things that we've been dealing with that have been going on. And there was a great article by Mary Kay Cabot and the Cleveland Brown dealer, uh, Cleveland Plain dealer, excuse me about some of the things that have been going on. Baker thinks that they're getting too conservative. He's calling them out. Then there was an issue with somebody went on the team's in-house radio show and 
said some things that Baker didn't like. There's just a lot of infighting going on now with the Cleveland Browns. And it's like, you can't be fighting each other and also trying to compete with other teams. Like that's just not going to work, especially when you're the Browns. And I don't think that you're, you know, necessarily the most talented team. I I kind of think I might want to go Cincinnati. And maybe that's just yeah. my bias because they played a tough game against the 49ers. Joe Burrow, man, to me, he's got a little Tony Romo in him. Like he can wow. run around back there and make some plays. And Sorry, sometimes, I mean, he's leading the league in interceptions, or at least he was going into Sunday. I don't know if he still has the lead, but you know, he's leading the league in picks for a reason. But he also, I mean, that fourth down throw to Jamar Chase, that's yeah. all Burrow just making something out of absolutely nothing. I don't know what's going on with Lamar Jackson right now. And it's not exactly as if he was lighting the world on fire when he was in there. So I think I may lean Cincinnati. There's really like no team that you can feel incredible about, right? In this division right now, like you can easily point to big falls for each of them. Lamar not playing at a super high level and the and the Ravens are just so banged up. You look at the Browns, like you said, you don't trust the quarterback. Their defense is really good though. But like, is that enough? The Bengals, I just think they're a team that's not there yet. Like they have some nice things going. They're definitely, you know, they're heading in the right direction, but they're the team like that's not there yet. They might like... I think whoever wins this division might kind of win it by default, maybe like just, you know, kind of being the least worst of these teams. Not that they're terrible teams, but like, you know, I, I don't think it's necessarily that a team is running away with this and you're feeling great about the AFC North winner in the playoffs. Um, I mean, I, I don't feel good about the Ravens. Like it's I know they're in that spot right now, but like, I, I don't know. I don't know. I hate Lamar. Yeah, right. <laughs> Who, by the way, like I know we've had the Lamar conversation before, but I was looking at his playoff numbers again yesterday. I'm like, I can't believe how bad they are. Like they're just so bad, and not even just like his passing numbers, the rushing numbers too. He's it's like what five fumbles to one rushing touchdown. Like again, it's just it's not good. Um, and this is this is supposed to be a big year for him in terms of you know like in the contract coming up and everything. But whatever, we don't need to rehash that at all. I just think whatever happens in that division is going to be really interesting. And if the Steelers had pulled off the comeback against the Vikings, which they didn't, uh, then they would kind of be in the mix of this thing too, which is kind of crazy. Uh, so really interesting division there. Absolutely. Uh, one last thing I wanted to say on the Bengals, like this year is gravy for you. You did not think you were going to be anywhere close to this good. Whatever happens this year is gravy. And then I think you go into 2022 thinking, hey, this is, we could make a deep run and really surprise some people kind of like the Bills did last year. All right. Let's get into our MVP and LVP points of the week. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe I have two MVPs and yes. one LVP. Is that right? That is correct, Steph. So you can start with your first MVP and then we'll go to mine. Okay. My first MVP, and you can call me a homer and that's fine. It's George Kittle. <laughs> Shield talked about it a little bit. Over his last two games, BLG, he has 22 catches for 332 yards and three touchdowns. After halftime this week against the Bengals, he had nine catches for 124 yards, including three for 38 in overtime. Like he carried that team. And it's about time that Kyle Shanahan realizes that his blocking is the second best thing he does. He's a monster with the ball in his fan in his hands. Somebody that I co-hosted our show with on Niners Nation said the most exciting thing in the world for 49ers fans is when George Kittle gets a reception and takes two steps. And he's 100% right because the guy's incredible. Wow, no name drop for your co-host. Just nameless co-host. Someone said it. No credit for them. Tough. No, I'm purposely leaving his name out because when he hears this, he's going to be mad. Okay, I like that. Um, that catch he had, what was it, the end of regulation? Where, yes. like, you know, it was just that was just incredible. Like, that's a ball that should have gone through his hands, and it didn't. He was able to hang on as he's, like, falling backwards. That was really incredible. Um, George Kittle, obviously a beast. And he did get in the end zone, right? Yes, he's got go. six touchdowns now on the year, career high, which is something I have been banging on him for. So you're welcome, 49ers fans. I have gotten the best out of George Kittle. You've motivated George Kittle to finally score <laughs> touchdowns. Uh, I am staying in the NFC West with my sole MVP pick stats. Ooh. And I thought about giving it to Matthew Stafford, who I thought made some really good throws. Like some like like wow like incredible like almost good as Justin Herbert level throws uh, on Monday <laughs> Night Football, but I think I have to give it to someone who we haven't had in here all year, which is probably a, a bad job by us. And that's Aaron freaking Donald, who had three sacks, 
and three tackles for loss. He had the deflection that caused the interception in the red zone early on, which I think was a it came at a pivotal point because you know the Cardinals go up there, they're they're you know they're like building some some really positive momentum. The place is going to go crazy in there. Instead, uh, they kill it like this really successful drive. He also drew a number of holding penalties too, which is really big. Which you know again is not anything necessarily new for Aaron Donald. Mm-hmm. I also like the just like the poetry of him beginning the game with a sack on the first play and then yes. ending the game with a sack on the last play. There is something like cool about that, like bookending the game. Like I am the first and the last. I am inevitable. I am Aaron Donald. <laughs> uh, just really dominant. So I think he clearly deserves an MVP point. I totally agree with you on Aaron Donald, by the way. In in 10 situations when I'm watching the Niners play, I just I literally will say out loud, like, come on, Nick Bosa, like. We need you right now. And that's the same thing with the Rams last night. You know, the Cardinals get that onside kickback and you're like, holy crap, like this might actually happen. And who is there when they need him? Aaron Donald just wrecking Kyler Murray, sacking him for, I think it was like an 18 yard loss, ended the game. That's you need your money players to step up in crucial spots, especially with Jalen Ramsey, not there. Who's the other leader of that defense. I mean, He's so good, it's become boring, and we start to overlook how good he is, but we shouldn't do that because you're right. He absolutely deserved an MVP point from you. Good choice there. All right, my last MVP, and I'm going to stay on the defensive side of the ball. Micah Parsons is tearing up the league right now, and I know that you probably hear about it from RJ. You probably will. He is just – he's tossing people aside. You know, he said after the game – he, the NFL is not that hard, and that's he's making it look easy out there. That's exactly what it looks like for him, terrorizing the defense. He was the biggest reason the Cowboys beat Washington. He's the biggest reason Mike McCarthy doesn't look like a fool right now for guaranteeing a victory because Parsons was <laughs> everywhere. He, he was really good. He's been great this season. He's what, up to, like, what, 10, 12 sacks or whatever it is? I think 12 now. 12. It's 12. Yeah. Uh, it's crazy. No one and everyone, the, like, the common take, I feel like everyone's been saying this in a way that, like, makes it sound like they're saying something unique, but it's just literally everyone being like, Michael Parsons isn't just in the defensive rookie of the year <laughs> conversation. He's in the defensive player of the year. Like, I've seen that said so many times, and it's fair. It's a fair point, but, like, you're not original saying this. Like everyone is saying this. Anyway, um, yeah, he's been great. I think this is like the Cowboys defensive version of Dak Prescott. It's like it's a little different in that Dak was a fourth round pick, but like there's no way the Cowboys drafted Micah Parsons and expected him to be this. And that's fine. Like ultimately it's turning out well for them. But like I just think it's kind of funny. And it's because there's been a lot of conversation too, is like, oh, did the Eagles make a mistake by taking Devontae Smith? Should they have taken Micah Parsons? And it's like, okay. The Cowboys are having this success with Micah Parsons in part because they had so many injuries and COVID absences early in the year. They had to move Micah Parsons to like an edge rusher and have him rush the passer more. And that turned out to like work flawlessly for them. So like (laughs) this is like an accident, just kind of like how the Cowboys back in 2016, they didn't want Dak Prescott. They wanted Carson Wentz. They missed on him. They wanted Paxton Lynch. They missed on him. They wanted Connor Cook. They missed on him. They tried to trade up for some of those guys. Mm -hmm. And ultimately they had to settle for uh, Dak Prescott. And this isn't just me. Like you're like, you might be listening to this and being like, Oh, you know, bitter Eagles fan, whatever Homer on the Cowboys SB nation site, bogging the boys. They have an article about how the Cowboys lucked into Micah Parsons being this good. And they then like literally the the subhead in the article is like, sometimes it's better to be lucky than good. And that's the case of the Cowboys here. Uh, in any case, whatever luck deserved doesn't matter. Bottom line is like Micah Parsons is playing really well. And uh, I was thinking about giving him my MVP point, but uh, you did it instead. And I like that because then I don't have to give credit to a Cowboys player. So <laughs> you're welcome. We All right. Who's your first LVP? Okay. So. I want to talk you into something here, stats. I want to hear your yours first, mm-hmm. uh, and then I want to talk you out of it, unless it's the, the same as mine, because I'm doubling up on someone. So why don't you tell me yours first? Okay, mine is kind of a cop out, but like, okay, the entire Las Vegas Raiders team. Okay, what are you doing? <laughs> like, what are you doing? You got your doors blown off by the Chiefs earlier this year. One of the only teams the Chiefs have really looked like the Chiefs against, right, are the Raiders. So then they come to Arrowhead and decide that they think it's a good idea to go on the midfield logo before the game and start stomping around, you know, huddling up on the logo, stomping around. Like, what? How did you think that that was a good idea? How does that help you in any way? And look, 
maybe the Chiefs would have gone out and blown the doors off the Raiders anyway. I don't know. But Patrick Mahomes talked about it after the game. Andy Reid, I think, talked about it. You know, like, they noticed it. So it certainly didn't help you in any way. And I just, like, I don't like the vibe coming off the Raiders. You know, you beat the Chiefs at Arrowhead last year. Then you circle the stadium in the bus. And by the way, did you see what the Chiefs did after this game? They played on the PA speakers of the stadium, wheels on the bus, as soon as the game was over. (laughs) Shout out to the Chiefs crew there. But I just, the Raiders, like, you're not that good this season, and you're going to go into the Chiefs' house and start messing around? Like, no, you get my LVP point. Okay. Um, First of all, Logo Gate, uh, (laughs) this never works out for teams. I don't know how we're not learning this by now, because Juju Smith-Schuster obviously did the dance on what? Was it the Steelers logo? And then he got, you know, lit up or whatever. It was the Bengals Um, logo, I think. Bengals logo. Oh, yeah, true, 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 true. My bad. Duh. Why did I think that Juju Smith-Schuster was on the Bengals? He's not. Um, <laughs> anyway, yeah, his own logo. No. Uh, and then the actually uh, the Eagles stats in Giants played. I believe it was back in 2014 when the Giants did this like pregame stomp on the Eagles logo. And the Eagles proceeded to blow out the Giants by a score of like 27 to 0. And then they shut <laughs> them out. So uh, just, just I just don't think it works out. Don't do the logo thing. Okay. I want to talk you out of canonically giving your LVP point to the Raiders. Not because they don't deserve it, because I think someone deserves it more. And I am doubling up. And I kind of want to make it uh, three for both of us, because then this person will be cemented at the bottom of our LVP point rankings at the end of the year when we tally them all up. And that's Urban Meyer. Come on. Like I, I gave him one in, in week one and I threw him into the pit of misery and I didn't even want to bring him up again, like as a, you know, as a way to like shame him, like he doesn't even deserve that. But I feel like we have to do it. I feel like, you know, when we're looking back on the season, which obviously many people will, and specifically through the lens of our LVP MVP point standings, I want Urban Meyer to be at the very bottom because I think he is like the LVP, (laughs) the definitive LVP of this season. It's such a joke that he's still around. Stats, the Jaguars offense, they're averaging 9.1 points per game in their last seven games. That's so pathetic. It's terrible. And in today's NFL, I know they have a rookie quarterback and they don't have necessarily, you know, this – the the most offensive talent in the world but like come on 9.1 points per they're they're pathetic so will you come on board with me and give an lvp point to urban meyer canonically 100 percent, absolutely i will give infinite mvp points to urban meyer i said the second he was hired he's not a good fit he's not a good person and i'm not afraid to say it (laughs) urban meyer is a garbage human being and you can see it i mean you can hear it when you see these reports about how he called his assistant coaches into a room and called them all losers and made them defend their resume this just in urban what have you ever done in the nfl his offensive coordinator daryl bevel has a hell of a lot better nfl resume than urban meyer and i don't even think daryl bevel's a good offensive coordinator but that that is just so toxic and he sits there and denies it after the game but then in the same breath says but if anybody leaks anything you're going to be fired within seconds like that's the definition of a toxic working environment and if you are shad khan you cannot cannot entrust the future of your franchise with trevor lawrence who everybody thinks is you know the best prospect since andrew luck you can't leave him in the hands of that guy you that is malpractice if you do that urban meyer has got to go if your coaching staff is comprised of a bunch of losers what does it make you as the head coach who hired all those losers like <laughs> yeah, you're king you know, loser so it's, it's pathetic uh and rj did a good job of pointing this out on uh, monday football monday like how many how many times do you see people just unanimously agree on a thing in today's world it's very extremely rare there's no one out there like caping for Urban Meyer being like, you know what? Actually, he does deserve another year. No, Peter King. I think Peter King is out there saying that. Yes. Oh I'm my gosh, that is, that's insane. Um, so I think one thing that people do that drives me nuts. There's a lot of things, but one of the things that people do is like take excuses to extremes. Like, okay. No one is expecting the Jags to like win the Super Bowl this year, right? That would be an unfair expectation. But like, that's not what we're asking. We're saying like, can you at least like look competent in some mm-hmm. way and not be like a total joke and not have all these like weird stories get leaked out there and maybe not hire like a racist strength and conditioning coach? Like, you <laughs> he's failed at every like. What do you point to if you're the Jaguars and be like, okay, it's a rough year, blah blah blah. But we can point to this one thing that is like indicating that there's something here. There's something to be intrigued by or something pointing in the right direction. There's nothing. There's nothing there. It's a joke. He should be gone. Everyone agrees with it. 
I saw some BS about like, well, Doug Marone got four years and Gus Bradley got four. Years. Like, who cares? It doesn't so mean what? anything. Like, what? Who could? So what? You well, you wasted a lot of years with those guys too. Like, you don't have to do that again. It's really okay to just like take the L, be like, we we messed this up. But so it's like, don't fall victim to sunk cost theory and be like, well, you know, we have him, we're paying him, but we have to. No, like, no, 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 no. You don't have to do that. So uh, I'm glad you came on board stats because this means that Urban Meyer had the worst possible week in our standings by getting all three points in one week. <laughs> Might be the only person to ever do that as we go forward and also brings him to uh, negative four points total on the year, which again, I, which I will believe will firmly cement him at the bottom, which he deserves to be good that you're that's 100 percent right. Like Trevor Lawrence is at the point now where he's asked to publicly challenge urban Meyer and be like, why isn't James Robinson on the field? Like you shouldn't have your rookie quarterback have to do that just to get your best damn players on the field. Like there, you said it, there is, there's no glimmer of hope. There's no light at the end of the tunnel. And if there is, it's because there's a train coming and you're about to get crushed. (laughs) So no, thank you. Urban Meyer. Adios. He gets all three MVP points. All right, BLG, that's going to do it. Uh, LVP, excuse me. That's going to do it for this edition of the Off Day Debrief. want to thank Sheil Kapadia once again for coming on and making us smarter. If you haven't done it yet, rate, review, and follow the SB Nation NFL show. That is the best thing that you can do for us. I'm not going to lie, BLG. I don't like when the Eagles have a bye. I like when the Mm. Eagles play because I want to get the emotion (laughs) out of you. Well, don't worry, Stats. There'll be plenty of time for that as we come down the stretch here and look you know the show is heating up i feel like stats you know not only is like the playoff picture but the the odd cast specifically as we break down the playoff picture and we get into the playoffs and everything so obviously you do want to rate review and subscribe and do all those good things and you want to use you know discount code or not discount code you want to use promo code rather sbn nfl at the DraftKings sportsbook app you know maybe bet on some of these games if you want there you go. Go on bleedinggreennation.com. Check out the, the only 100% accurate power rankings. And by the way, don't look so embarrassed when I said that in front of Shield. I don't know why you made a face when I said that. It's true. They are 100% accurate. It is true. But like Shield is, you know, he's like the, he's the GOAT. He's like the national authority. He's, he's the definitive, you know, national NFL reporter, some would say. So, uh, you know, it's uh, it's 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 a lot of pressure to be to put in that spotlight in front of one of the very best. And I think... I know. Maybe I'm trying to think. I don't think Shield does power rankings, and I was kind of getting worried that I was like, "Oh no, uh, <laughs> putting myself up against Shield here." I don't don't love that. Um, but yeah, fair stance by you. Enjoy your Tuesday, everybody, and we'll talk to you next week.